is a blue. You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. Welcome to our In Conversation program. Every week we talk to a sporting personality to find out just what makes them tick. From their early childhood, to their professional career, to their musical tastes. We cover it all. So sit back and enjoy as we talk to this week's special guest. Here on Three Valleys Radio. Good evening and welcome to In Conversation. And tonight's guest is former national hunt jockey, Graham Bradley. Well, good afternoon, Graham. Thank you very, very much for joining us on the show over there in France. Um, first of all, tell me what, what made you decide to go to move to France? Uh, looking forward to having a chat with you, Adrian. I mean, I'm 61 years old now um, and I wanted to be a jockey when I was very young. Mm. I rode how many winners there are about seven hundred and thirty one winners I rode a load of massive winners yeah um, un- unfortunately you know I wanted to be a trainer I've, I've still got Barchi Bloodstock Limited still buy and sell horses yeah and I wanted to be a trainer um, and the BHA and the jockey club wouldn't let me unfortunately so um, I've ended up coming coming with the wife and the daughter to France and we're really enjoying it out here it's lovely we are half an hour away from Poitiers yeah, which has got an airport, airport and a train station. Um, it's, it's a really nice area. We're enjoying it. Have you got a sort of a, an old chateau or something like that? Something as grand as that? No, we've got a nice, big, lovely house. Yeah, um, five-acre paddock. We've got two gardens. When we just built uh, a three-bedroom jeep, so we're going to rent people to come. I have sent loads of. Uh, WhatsApps and text messages and photographs to lots of friends, and hopefully they're all going to come down yeah. when the COVID nineteen is, is, you know, is a lot, lot better. Yeah, yeah. Really quite. looking forward to loads, loads of my mates coming to stay. It's a nice, it's a nice place here. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But Graham, let's let's go back to sort of, um, I won't exactly say day one, but I mean, when did you first get on a horse? What what, what attracted you to the horses? Uh, my father was an assistant trainer, then he was a trainer with Jack Hansen. We lived in Weatherby. Yeah. Um, and I was about 14 or 15, and I started riding out for Tommy Shedden in Weatherby. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it in my book, in my The Wayward Lad book. Tommy Shedden paid me £1 on a Saturday and 50, pound, 50 pence <laughs> on a Sunday. It was unbelievable. I really enjoyed it. His, his main jump jockey was was Tommy Stack. Yeah. Um, and he, he got me the job with Arthur Stevenson when I was, when I was 17. But when I was, when I was younger, I went to Eric Collingwoods at Midland and rode out, and I went to Mick Jarvis at Newmarket. Um, I rode with Lester Piggott, piece of work. I was hoping to be a flat jockey, but I got too too heavy. Right. Um, I got up to sort of like about eight and a half stone, and that's when I went to Tommy Stack and got me to Arthur, Arthur Stevenson when I was 17. And I was there for him for two years. Um, and I was an amateur jockey, 
I didn't ride many many winners. Um, well, I didn't ride any winners actually at Arthur Stevenson. He didn't like me as a jockey, unfortunately. He never used to go out and watch the horses galloping and the jockeys galloping, um, which was, which was a little bit of a shock. Yeah, well, he couldn't see how good you were, could he? <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, and I, you know, when I was when I was there, I just wasn't happy at all. Yeah. Um, and it, my dad knew a chap called Tony Dickinson, absolute legend. Yeah. And he moved. Um, he moved to near Weatherby, to Harewood, um, with his with his with all his horses, right? And my dad asked him if I could go to his place and work for him. Yeah. Um, and he did say, Tony Dickinson said, yes, he can come, but I would be ninth in line. I wasn't going to get any rides, but he would. I could still be a jockey. Um, and I ended up going back to Harewood and working for Tony Dickinson, which was absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, I think it was about 19... 1979, something like that. So go back um, a little. Go, go back a little while, though, Graham. Did you? I mean, did you go the sort of normal route that most youngsters seem to when it comes to jockeys? That they, they, you know, they had a little pony to start with, and they did pony racing and stuff like that. Did you do all that, or or did you bypass that? Unfortunately, not. We had one pony with my dad, and it broke its leg and died. Unfortunately. Oh dear. But I did a lot. I did a lot of riding out. Yeah, um, and I wanted to be a flat jockey, but then I got too heavy, so I started doing a lot of schooling, etc., etc., etc. When, like I said, when I was at Arthur Stevenson, he never used to come out every day and watch me riding, so he didn't rate me at all. Mm. But when I went to Tony Dickinson's, uh, Michael Dickinson was there, and Monica Dickinson, three of them, they were absolutely unbelievable yard, unbelievable trainers, and they seen that I was a, a good rider. Mm. Uh, 20th of February 1980 my first ride was a horse called Talon and somebody else was supposed to ride it Chris Bell where he was he didn't have his, his um, license or something anyway I rode it at Worcester and I finished third yeah ran, ran really well and they really liked me so they left me on it again on the 11th of March 1980 the Cheltenham Festival was on that day and I rode my first winner at Hedgefield on Talon for Tony Dickinson absolutely amazing and it's started my career absolutely yeah right time for a musical break now and we're going to kick off with uh, me and mrs jones by billy paul Six thirty, and no one knows you. 
Billy Paul there and me and Mrs. Jones. I'm, you've ridden your first winner now um, of, of many, obviously. And when I look at the list, um, I suppose the one that, that sort of really jumps out at you is was Bragorn and, you know, the, the, the whole surroundings of, of that particular win. I mean, what was it like to, to not only ride a Chatham Gold Cup winner, which you obviously did, but to be, it was all five of, of, of his entries were in the first five, wasn't it? Yeah, Michael Dickinson had five runners in the in his first, second, third, fourth and fifth. I actually rode Brigorn the year before the Cheltenham Girl Cup, 1982. All right, yeah. Um, and, he finished, and he finished second to Silver Book. All right. Um, which was absolutely brilliant. But then I kept on him all the time and I won the, I won the Hennessy on him at Newbury. 
which was absolutely brilliant. He had the first and second there, Michael, as well. I nearly fell at the last fence, but I got back up and won on it. It was a great ride. Mm. And then I rode it in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, and I was actually favoured, 1983. Um, and I was supposed to be second or third all the way, and one of his other horses was supposed to make the running. It didn't make the running. So I started making the running after the second place. Yeah. It was amazing. Now, that, that wasn't what I was supposed to do. But I think, and Michael Dickinson thought, I gave it a great ride. Yeah. And it won. I was 22 years old. It was an absolute miracle to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup. It really, really was. I really enjoyed it. And it was a, it was a big help to me. Now, controversy seems to have sort of followed you around a little bit on, on, on your, your travels through racing. And it started all, unfortunately, at, at Cartmer, where you, you know, misguidedly had a bet. But, I mean, surely it's it's commonplace, isn't it? I mean, I know it's against the rules, but it's commonplace. Surely jockeys do it all the time, don't they? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, it was, it was a silly, silly, silly thing that I did. Um, I was just, just looking at horses. Lots and lots and lots of jockeys were betting. Mm. And I was a young lad. I was a seven-pound claimer. Yeah. And lots of senior jockeys were betting up north. So I just I just thought, you know, you're not allowed to do it, but I did. Mm. And I told a few people at, at Arthur Stevenson that this horse would would win. Yeah. Um, and they gave somebody gave me a fiver, somebody gave me a tenner, somebody gave me a fiver. I think I put fifty quid on it. Right. Two to one on. Yeah. Right? And I won twenty five quid. Uh, but that wasn't all for me. I think no. I only won about six or seven quid. Yeah. But I, I went and I stupidly, stupidly went and had a bet at Cartmel hmm. um, in the middle. And somebody recognised me. I was a jockey and I'd rode a few winners. And they told the jockey club about it. Yeah. Um, and, a, and a guy, an ex-policeman came to interview me and he said, oh, don't worry, there won't be a lot done. But there was a lot done to me. I was, I was warmed off for, for um, two months, three months, I think. Yeah. Um, and I missed I missed a King George winner, where with lad John Franken Road. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a bit of a disaster. But thankfully, I got over it in the end. But it but it does seem as though from that point on that they they almost carried on a sort of a witch hunt against you from from you know reading your book. I've I've read it right the way through, and uh, you know it seemed as though you were very harshly treated all the time. I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. Well, thank you for that, yes, I think. But, you know, the, the horses that I rode, the, the jockeys that I rode, the trainers that I rode, the things that I did ride, I had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful season. But they still just keep an eye on me all the time. Um, so I had to be careful. But I was careful. Yeah. I, was a, I was a very competitive jockey and rode lots of winners. So, um, but, but they were looking at me all the time. Yeah, what was uh, Bregorn, going back to Bregorn, what was he ride like to ride? Good horse, I presume? No, he was a bit of a funny horse. I'm telling you, when he used to ride him out um, at the stables, he used to stop himself. And you couldn't get him You couldn't get him moving. He was absolutely unbelievable. He was a funny, funny, funny horse. Yeah. I won on him the race before he won the Cheltenham Gold Cup. And there was only about three or four or five runs or something. And... and he wouldn't start. I got left about 30, 30 lengths. Oh. And I was four to one on, and I actually won the race. He was a funny, funny, funny ride. And I had to get somebody to lead him round at the start and on, yeah. on the wide outside. And yeah. thankfully, he got, he, he got me off and um, 
and we jumped off him. I was, I was lucky. But he was a funny, funny, funny ride. He wasn't massive, but he was big enough. But he had, he had a lot of ability. He was a very, very good horse. Lucky yeah. to ride him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it seems as though the whole Dickinson family were, were very much um, in your camp, as it were, and they certainly looked after you well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about them. Oh, they were unbelievable. I mean, Tony Dickinson's passed away, Monica Dickinson's passed away, but I rode winners for them all. But they were absolute legends, and it was it was a miracle. I I got up to number one to be stable jockey with Michael Dickinson. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the the legend, legend, legend Robert Sangster who's passed away again, who owned Manton House Stables. Yeah. Uh, near Lambeau. Yeah, he there. offered Michael Dickinson he offered Michael Dickinson that job. Yeah. Um which was a bit which was a bit of a disaster because I was going to be his number one jockey and there would have been a chance I could have been champion jockey then. Yeah. But unfortunately he came down to Robert Sangster's right um, and his mum, Monica Dickinson, she carried on training for three or four years or something. Mm. And I just rode for I mean I rode a I think I was second in the Cheltenham Gold Cup in 1985, and right, and I won the Welsh National in 1984. I won loads of loads of races for Monica Dickinson. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, but it was a shame that, that, that you know that Michael um, wasn't a legend down at Robert Sangster, and he ended up um, having a fallout with Robert and went to train in America. He had a few big wins in America. Yeah. Like I said before, a million times, it's a shame I wasn't his number one stable jockey. I could have been champion jockey. Next up in the musical stakes, and it's girls and moments and whatnots. Hey, what nice, what's happening? The moments, what it is, brother? Hey, man, let's talk about what we know how to talk about best. What is that? Girl, right on. Girls, I like them fat, I like them tall, some skinny, some small. Shining the hair, the perfume that they wear. Girls are everywhere. 
Girls there and moments and whatnots. Okay, so um, back to Michael Dickinson in a minute. I mean, he went to America, but he was yeah. he was very successful in America, wasn't he? Yeah, he had a, he had a beautiful, beautiful yard. He built his own house and he built his own yard. He bought it, and built it. You know, because most American trainers train on race courses. Yeah, um, he still got that place in America now. Um, his birthday was a couple of weeks ago. He's seventy-two years old. I don't know whether he's going to stay in America or come over, but he was a, he had a lot of winners. He was a brilliant trainer in America. So what do you think went wrong that he didn't have so many winners with Robert Sangster? Because, I mean, presumably he had the best horses available to him. Well, I think it was Robert Sangster had bred a lot of horses, and they weren't very good, Yeah. Um, which, was, which was a shame for him. Mm, definitely. So moving on again, 83-84... Um, uh, you won the Dipper Chase on Let Up and the, the Castleford Handicap Chase on Badsworth Boy, a name that rings a bell. And then you had uh, Brown's Gazette and Rhyme and Reason. So a pretty good year was, you know, looking to be forming at that particular time. Well, it, I was, it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, to win the Sun Lions Novice Hurdle at Cheltenham on Saban de Loire Hmm. Was was just was just absolutely brilliant. Lettock was a very good horse. He broke down, unfortunately. Um, I won the Castle Bandicoot Chase on Badsworth Boy, Coral Welsh National on Ryman Reason, um, another one on Ryman Wayward Lad. I mean, I won on lots of really, really, really good horses. The Sabon de Loire, Brigon, and Ryman Reason were as good horses, and Wayward Lad were as good horses I ever rode. Very hmm. lucky. And if you had to look back now on, on all of your winners, is there any one that stands out as being just that little bit extra magic about him? Yeah, I think Rhyme and Reason. Yeah. Um, that was trained by David Murray Smith at the time. Um, and I won the Irish Grand National in hmm. um, 1985. It was absolutely unbelievable. He was a novice. I was. Uh, I mean, I've seen it on videos a few times. I went round the outside, and it was an absolutely brilliant win. It was the first English winner there for I don't know how many years. But I would have said, memories, memories wise, rhyme and reason. I mean, it's a shame he got injured. Something wrong with him. He, um, David Ellsworth. He went down to below ten stones rating, and I couldn't couldn't ride him because I, I couldn't do ten stone. Hmm. Um, but he, he gradually grew up, grew up, grew up, and got better and better and better, and he ended up winning the um, the English Grand National, didn't he? Hmm. Um, which was this year, and I didn't I didn't get the ride in it. So I mean, look, you've won the Welsh National, you've won the Irish National. How have you done generally in the uh, the Aintree National? Uh, unfortunately, I only had about sixteen rides in it, um, and the closest I got was on Sunny Bay to Charlie Brooks. Hmm. Getting that job for Charlie Brooks was, was absolutely brilliant. And we finished second. Um, I had 12 stones. He's a, a really, really, really good horse. Um, Carl Llewellyn won it. Um, and it was, a, it was a, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful memory. 
Yeah. Um, and I thought I was going to win. Um, it was very good. But just, just unfortunately, I think I had 12 stone and Carl Llewellyn's had 10, 10 or something. Um, and it was just, it was just Earth Summit, that's right. Earth Summit was um, just too good for us, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It was a great run. Shame we never won the, the, uh, the Grand National, but second was, was, was the best I ever did. Try and try and um, describe to me. I mean, I've I've only ridden a horse twice um, up round some hills around here where I live in Somerset, and uh, there was a whole group of us doing it. And it was one of those situations where the horse in front suddenly started to motor on a little bit, and everybody started to motor on, and I was there hanging on for dear life most of the time. So can you describe to me what it's like to ride the Grand National? Because that's I've got no conception of what it must be like, so I'm hoping you can tell me. I used to love, love, love riding it. It's absolutely amazing. 42 runners. You start off in one line all together, and it's such a wide, 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 wide course. And you go down to the to the Beaches Brook, which is the sixth fence. You've just got to be you've just got to be lucky. I mean the fences now are a lot smaller and a lot softer. When I was riding it, they were big. Beaches Brook was absolutely massive. Yeah. So you've, you've just got to use them. And I rode a lot of horses. They only carried 10 stone and I only did 10 five or something. I didn't ride some very, very, very good horses, unfortunately. Um, but you've just got to be, you've just got to concentrate. You've got to keep them balanced. You've got to keep them jumping. You hope you've got to get the trip for a quarter mile. Um, and Sunny Bay was absolutely brilliant. I was very unlucky not to win mm. the Grand National on him. Sorry, but you've just got to, you've just got to balance rhythm, timing. You've got to be a very, very good jockey. And I presume you've got to be brave. <coughs> um, yes, you've got to be brave. Um, I, I won the Italian Champion Hurdle at Charlie Brooks. 1991 on a horse called Baccaro mm. and I also won a toy on it as well you know it's absolutely amazing to go to different countries different races and win big races like that mm. Um, mm. It, it's miracles but it's really 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 satisfying and, I've, and I really enjoy it uh, and I, I got a ride on Des- Desert Orchid one day at Sandown yeah. the Desert Orchid is one of the best horses ever it was, a, it was a two-mile race, which it had won a couple of years before. But the race before, Richard Dunwoody didn't want to ride it at Sandown, just mm. two miles. He'd won the Irish Sand National, which was four and a quarter mile. Mm. Um, but to ride, to ride Desert Orchid like that was an absolute miracle. Um, I'll tell you another big, big race that I won in Ireland, the Fiestis Chase. Yeah. And a horse called Couldn't Be Better. Mm-hmm. Um, January 1997, Golden Park. That was absolutely brilliant, winning that. He was a very, very good horse. Um, uh, very, see, very good horse comes with him. I see in your list of winners here, you also rode Floyd in the Long Walk Hurdle in uh, 1990. Yeah. Floyd won me a fortune. He was a wonderful horse. Every time I backed him, he won. Great little horse. I remember him well. Maroon and blue colours, yeah. weren't they? Well, he was an absolute super, really good. I won two or three big races on him uh, for David. It was a wonderful ride for David. And he had so many winners on the flat. Yeah. So many winners over the I think, I think he's just retired this year now. That's right, it he has, yeah. 
it's a miracle of him. He's a lovely, lovely, lovely man, an absolute gentleman. Hmm. So presumably you must have been voying with uh, Colin Brown for rides, because he rode a lot for David Ellsworth, didn't he? He did. I met Colin Brown the other day. He does a few tips. He's a, he's a, he's a really, really, really bad, yeah. really nice man. Yeah. Um, I've found out here, David Ellsworth Floyd, the long curl at Ascot 1990. Hmm. So that was the, probably the biggest race that I won in. was absolutely good. I tell you, I used to ride for as well with Toby Balls. Yeah. He's, he's passed away now. I mean, I know he used to ride for his dad as well. I rode a winner for the Queen, Queen's mother, actually. Um, but I, I think one of the best horses I've for Toby Balls was Kill Dino. Hmm. I won the Sun Alliance Novice Chase 1987 on him. Hmm. Um, he was a very, 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 very good horse. I was lucky to ride. Time for another musical break now. This time we've got Petula Clark and Downtown. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown when you've got worries all the noise and the hurry seems to help i know downtown just listen to the music of the traffic in the city linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty how can you lose the lights are much brighter there you can't forget all your troubles forget all your cares so go Don't hang around and let your problems surround you. There are movie shows downtown. Maybe you know some little places to go to where they never close. Downtown, just listen to the rhythm of a gentle bossa nova. You'll be dancing with them too before the night is over. Happy again. The lights are much brighter can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go downtown, where all the lights are bright, downtown, waiting for you tonight, downtown, you're gonna be alright
two o'clock there and downtown. So, um, how many times did you ride for the Queen Mother or, or the Queen come to that? Um, it was the Queen Mother, unfortunately. I think I only had two or three rides, but I won on it um, at Sandown. And I met her afterwards and had a chat with her. It was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Did it did it did it sort of present a, a a more formidable ride in the context of who it was? You know, you're riding for the Queen Mother. Did you feel an extra sense of responsibility? And I, I'm not saying you you couldn't ride any better than you rode because you 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 do that all the time. But I mean, you know, the Queen Mother. There's a sense of responsibility there, isn't it? No, it didn't worry me at all. I was always a I always concentrated on everything that I rode, whether it was a selling hurdle or a Cheltenham Gold Cup. Mm. Um, and whether I rode for the Queen or the Queen Mother. You've still got, I mean, it's just it's a real, real privilege to ride for them, have their colours. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to ride for to ride for top trainers, to ride for top owners, it's just, it's just a miracle. But you've got to be a good jockey, you've got to be sensible, and you've just got to do what you normally do all the time. Mm. Yeah, quite. And then... Um but we're going to talk about this later on when we finish this interview. You won the champion hurdle in March 1996 on Collier's Bay. Yes, Collier Bay. Um, I was supposed to ride the favourite, um, Alderbrook. Um, I had to ride to school it one morning. And my alarm clock, I'd, I'd been out in a nightclub the night before till four o'clock in the morning, so, and my, my alarm clock didn't go off in the morning, and I, and I missed school in it. So yeah. I got sacked from riding it. And I got put on Holly um, it was absolutely unbelievable. I think I'd won on it at Sandown a few months before. Right. Um, but to win to win on him was was, was, was absolutely brilliant. You know, champion early. Yeah. I, a brilliant horse, a wonderful horse to win. I remember reading that bit in the book when you you overslept and missed out on it. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kindred spirit. I'm hopeless at getting up in the morning, so I, I can quite sympathise what it must be like, especially having to get up at the sort of hours that you have to as a jockey. That would kill me, but um, it would have done in those days anyway. But um, but I mean, moving on, um, I'm just looking at Sunny Bay there, 1997. You won the Hennessy on him. Uncle Ernie, you won the Grand Annual in 1997. Couldn't be better. That was the one you mentioned just now, 1997. With some great horses there. I mean, it, you know, what a CV you've got. You know, Uncle Ernie, Grand Annual, March 97, for Jimmy Fitzgerald, yeah. was absolutely amazing. You know, it was, it was owned by the Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm. Um you know, it was an absolute mega. I think I won four grand annual chases. I think that's most that anybody's ever won. Right. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a miracle riding for owners and trainers like that. I was, you know, I was very, very, very lucky. Um, I rode, I rode a winner. February 1995, Hotel Manor, for Aidan O'Brien at Leopardstown. Can you believe that? Mm. Riding a winner for Aidan O'Brien. Yeah, you know, was unbelievable. Um, February '95, Garrison Savannah for Jenny Pittman. Yeah, um, at Wincanton, I won. I won. You know, horses for Kim Bailey, Ian Baldwin, um, and now stable jockey for Paul Nichols. 
yeah. for a while as well, which is absolutely wrong. You know, 1993, I rode winners for him. Mm. Um, but I, I also rode winners for Tony Mullins, Tipper Mullins, Mouse Morris, um, Henry de Bromed as well at Punchestown, Fisher Seal and Bishop's Hall, April 93. Um, um, but one of, one of the best rides I ever got, and I got a, an award for it, was April 93, the Aintree Martel Hurdle on Morley Street. Yeah. Toby Baldwin. In the, in the end, um, Charlie Brooks started training Morley Street. We didn't win any big races from but that was an absolute miracle winning that race, the Aintree Martel Hurdle on Morley Street. It was absolutely brilliant. One of the, one of the best rides I ever got a horse. And was that the national fences or just the, the, the ordinary ones? Hurdles. No, no hurdles, hurdles, sorry, hurdles, yeah, sorry, Miss. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very good horse. Um, what else? I'm just looking at a couple of papers here. Cavie's Clown, David Ellsworth, was a very good horse from the Jim Ford at Wincanton, 1990. Um, oh, Haydock, 1990. I rode a, a wonderful winner for Nigel Twiston Davis. Yeah. A wonderful trainer, Mrs. Muck, um, yeah. and then the next race, um, Bankview. Nigel Tinker was a was a big champion hurdle trial or something. Um, so it was, it was a, that was a wonderful day that I had. Um, a heartbreaking day, eighth of March, nineteen eighty eight. Monica Dickinson, a horse called By the Way, was favourite for the Grand National. Yeah, and I rode at Sedgefield in a big race um, with a lot of weight, and I was going to win. Um, and the, it's changed now. When I used to ride at Sedgefield, the last fence was a was an open ditch right at the top of the hill, and it was about three furlongs to the winning post. And I was leading on by the way, and unfortunately, it broke its leg, galloping oh, down the hill. Hmm. Which was a oh, broke down. It came. It was just, it was just an absolute nightmare. Hmm. Really was. I would have hopefully, probably would have won the Grand National. And by the way, if he'd have stayed sound. Yeah. But there you go. Another musical break now. This one's called "Rapper's Delight" by the Sugar Hill Gang. Which is really on the wall. I got a color TV, 
so I can see the Knicks play basketball. Him and talking about checkbook, credit cards, more money than a sucker could ever spend. But I wouldn't give a sucker or a punk from the rock and not a dime till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, hell, oh, hell, what you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl, gonna get some spank and drive off in a death OJ. Everybody go, oh, hell, oh, hell, holiday in. Say if your girl starts acting up, then you take her friend. I'm after G, I'm a mellow, it's on you, so what you gonna do? Well, it's on and on and on and on and on. Until the break of dawn, I said a M A S a T E R a G with a double E. I said I go by the unforgettable name of the man they call a Master G. Well, my name is known all over the world by all the foxy ladies and the pretty girls. I'm going down in history as the baddest rapper that ever could be. Now I'm feeling the highs and you're feeling the lows. The beat starts kicking into your toes. You start popping your fingers and stomping your feet and moving your body while you're sitting and you're sitting. Then damn, they start doing. The freak, I said, bam, a writer out of your seat, then you throw your hands high in the air, you're rocking to the beat, shake your dairy air, you're rocking to the beat without a care, cruise the show, I shot MCs for the affair, now I'm not as tall as the rest of the gang, but I rap to the beat just the same, I got a little face and a pair of rhyme, all I'm here to do, ladies, is hypnotize, singing on and on and on and on and on, the beat don't stop until the break of dawn, I sing it on and on and on and on and on, like a hot butter to pop, to pop, to pop, give it, give it, pop, to pop, pop, you don't. Give me what you got. I guess by now you can take a hunch and find that I am the baby of the bunch, but that's okay. I still keep it strong, cause all I'm here to do is just a wiggle your behind. Sing it on and, and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. Sing it on and, and on and on and on and on. Rock, rock, yo. I throw it on the floor. I'm gonna freak your head. I'm gonna freak your day. I'm gonna move you out of this atmosphere. Cause I'm one of a kind and I'll shock your mind. I put the jig, 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 yo, behind. I said, one, two, three, four, come on, girls. Get on the floor, I come alive, yo. Give me what you got, cause I'm guaranteed to make you rock. I said, one, two, three, four, tell me one to my, what are you waiting for? To the hip, hop, the hip, to the hip, the hip, hip, hop, you don't stop. Rapper's Delight and the Sugar Hill Gang. Now, during your career, you must have ridden, you know, for, for God, almost every top trainer by the sound of it. Are there any that uh, that really start? I mean, obviously the Dickinsons, you know, played a major part in your career. But are there any others that you you know that really stand out to you as being, um, well, not only sort of gentlemen, but but people that have played a, a major role in your career? Yes, I think I think one of the one of the major guys. I mean, he's an absolute gentleman, and I lots of wonderful winners from his Charlie Brooks. Yeah, um, you know, winning winning that. Uh, Italian champion San Siro and Baccaro was 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 unbelievable. Mm. Um, but I started off winning the, the Charlie Hall Chase at Weatherby on Celtic shit. Yeah, um, I think I started in February 1991 for Charlie Brooks. I got the job. Um, but some of the some of the wonderful horses that I rode with my young man, I won um, Grand Annual Chase and Cheltenham on him as well. Um, a spy, Black Humour, Sound Valley. Mm. Like I said, couldn't be better if I just chase Picardo, the Grand Annual. You know, it, it was absolutely wonderful. Um, riding for Charlie Brooks. I mean, it, it was brilliant riding for, for David Elseth as well. David Murray-Smith, it's a shame he didn't carry on. I actually won the Grand Annual chase at Cheltenham on Pearly Man for John Edwards. Yeah. I didn't get many rides from him in the end, actually. But 
like I've said before, I was I was you know really lucky and shame I didn't carry on with the job with Paul Nichols for, for a little bit longer. Mm. Um, Ian Baldwin was absolutely brilliant. But I, I tell you what, Jim Owls, you know, winning the champion early '96 on Collier Bay, mm. he was an absolute gentleman. He was a superstar. So I was I was lucky to to ride for a lot of really top class trainers and. I actually went to America in 1986 to ride for Jonathan Shepard, rode a few winners for him. You know, he was an absolute legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I was I was very, very, very lucky. Jim Old, I remember um, he, he, we were talking about a cricket match, which I got to you, and, and we had a, a... I did one of these in 1986, I think it was, and Jim Old came over, and as you say, lovely man, lovely man, really... Really chatty, really nice chap. I always remember him. He was very pleasant. But because um, I, yeah. you, you obviously having rode for Paul Nichols, you know, you know roughly the area. Well, I'm, I'm about twenty five miles, I suppose, from Paul Nichols, something like that. But um, <clears throat> we're quite close to Zebra, um, where Richard Barber. I don't know if you came across him on your travels, did you? Sorry. Did you come across Richard Barber on the point to point front at all in your travels? No, unfortunately not. I didn't have a lot to do with him, unfortunately. Yeah, no, we're, we're literally only a couple of miles away from him, where, where I am now. And Harry Fry trains up the road a little bit, and Anthony Honeyball, they're all all clustered around this area where I live, which is quite fortunate from a, the point of view of doing a racing show on the, on the radio, you know. But um, but if you could go go back now and, and and if you could change anything other than obviously the run-ins with the with the the jockey club, but was there much else that you could change about your career that you would have if you you know with hindsight you would have changed? Um, well, I would I would you know if Charlie Brooks would have continued being a trainer, I would have stayed with him for a little bit longer. Yeah, um, and I wanted to be I wanted to be a jockey for a, for a little bit longer. But I think it was I was about forty years old when I retired. Mm. Um, just one more horse that I've got to mention to tell you is French Ballerina. Yeah, trained by Pat Flynn. It was owned by Matt Madoff and Coolmore. Um, we beat his song, Richard Hughes, the flat jockey he rode. He's a superstar. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, but saying that, let's move on to. You know, when I'd retired, when I was age 40, mm-hmm. um, I'd started buying a few horses in, in Germany. Um, Let me stop you there a minute, Graham. Let me stop you there. Before you go on to yeah. that, I'll, I'll cut that little bit out and we'll start again on that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you retired in 1999, right? But you yeah. actually won... Yeah. Uh, just read, But didn't you... Your last race you won on, didn't you? And now the last of uh, Graham's musical choices, and this one's called Make Me Feel Your Love by Adele. When the evening shadows in 
Feel Your Love by Adele. Yeah, hey, Doc. On the boil, it's called, I think. On the boil. But, I mean, it must have been quite good to, to, to you know, just, you know, your last race, and I suppose it must be, you know, everybody's dream to have a successful career and then go out on a winner, and, and you managed to do that. Yeah, I would, I would like to have ridden for a little bit longer, but like I said to you before, I've had a few injuries. Hmm. Uh, not serious, serious ones, but um, then I thought to myself, I'll, I'll start being starting to buy buy colours. That's why I, ended up. I started a company called Archie Bloodstock Limited, uh, and, I, and I, I was friendly with AP McCoy. He lived with me for a little while mm-hmm. before I married, and he was he was a very close friend with Steve McManaman and Robbie Fowler, yeah. who played for. Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. I started buying, started buying them a few horses, you know, I bought them a really nice horse, uh, Seabold, mm-hmm. Salmon, and I got friendly with Martin Pipe, and I sold one of his big owners, David Johnson, who was an absolute gentleman, he's passed away as well, sold him the best horse Martin Pipe ever trained, horse called Well Chief. Yeah. Um, so that's what I started. Um, after I've been a jockey, I've been a bloodstock agent. And is that sort of, you know, keeping you your 
passion with horses occupied? Is it is it sort of satisfying your your needs, as it were? Yes, yeah, it, it was lovely. I used to go to the sales. I used to go to the races, and it was very exciting. The horses run. Um, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah, and and, and that's, what, that's what I'm that's what, that's what I'm hopefully going to do here in France now. I'm yeah. trying to go drive about and go to the races and see it. I've been ringing a few people up and you know trying to find some really good horses in France, which there will be. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the future for you now. Then is just just buying a few good horses here and there and just uh, making a few quid here and there. That's the idea. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose obviously with your house and uh, you've got a fair bit of. Um, you know, land and everything to sort of keep up together, and I expect that keeps you busy as well, doesn't it? Um, yeah, they're, you know, it's, it's a nice area, it's a nice house. Um, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to start driving, um, go on trains and things, but it, it's gonna be wonderful it's, as soon as, as soon as the COVID 19 clears up and everything, mm. so you can go to different places. It's gonna be different class. I'm really enjoying it out here. What what's the weather like in that part of France? Is it is it further south? Is it better than English? Well, it's generally here this area where I am. It's supposed to be the second warmest area totally in France. All oh, right. Um, and today it's, today it's nice and warm. It's about fifteen degrees and it's nice and sunny. Is it? Um, yeah. It's just it's just a nice area. We're mm. an hour and a half from the coast, La Rochelle, but it's it's, it's a lovely area. Mm. Oh, good. Well, I'm sure you're enjoying it over there anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, Graham, thank you ever so much for talking to us and going through all the winners. It's, it's a fascinating story, and we appreciate your time coming on the show. Well, that was former National Hunt jockey Graham Bradley. This is Three Valleys Radio. you've been listening to the In Conversation programme with A.D. Hopper. Make sure you join us every week here on Three Valleys Radio.